0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Özil. Marca Mesut Özil. Bastadainan ¡Oh! le pego a Villalba. This is Arscast Extra.
0: Hello and welcome to another Ars Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. James, hello to you. Goodly afternoon.
1: Goodly afternoon. Mm. Mixing it up. How are you doing?
0: I'm alright. I'm um I'm tired because We normally record in the morning, around 9 or 10 in the morning. So I've been up, Mm. I've been out with the dogs, I've had some coffee, maybe more coffees than I actually need. But now, it's about half one, just after half past one. I've had my lunch, and I'm kind of feeling like, oh, I could do it just, you know, lying down. You know, like when a lion devours a gazelle on the mm. on the plains of africa and he goes and he sits under a big tree and has a scratch does a bit of a roar and then just sleeps for 17 hours i yeah. kind of feel like that although i did not have gazelle for lunch
1: like when a snake swallows a horse or something and it yeah. just has to lie there digesting it yeah. the acids slowly corroding the body yeah so it can then move on with its life.
0: It's a bit like that, except again, I did not consume a horse at lunchtime.
1: No. Right. So. What did you have? Cheeseburger. Still, I mean, there, there you go. That mm. that explains. I think your feeling. There's a, there's a heaviness to a cheeseburger. There
0: right? is, yeah, with bacon as well, and actually this delicious Scotch bonnet ketchup. Really Ooh, spicy. That sounds nice. Yeah, it was good. It was good. So I am feeling a little bit on the on the tired side this afternoon, but hopefully uh, some engaging conversation with you and questions from our listeners
1: will perk me right up. I don't doubt it. You you've peaked too soon today. <laughs> did Arsenal peak too soon in their pre-season preparations after the dispiriting secret three-two defeat to Aston Villa I at think, the Emirates Stadium?
0: I think it's fair to say they did. I didn't see any of it. <laughs> Not a single nope. second of it. We didn't get a report beyond the bare necessities. But I think it's fair to say that it's, uh, it's pretty much all going wrong for Mikel Arteta now. He's going to have to yeah. watch himself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it is weird. Um, I mean, when we played these kind of behind-closed-doors friendlies uh, just before Project Restart, we saw highlights and stuff, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Um, But obviously there were no highlights in our performance against Aston Villa. Well,
0: I mean, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scored two goals again. Mm. He, you know, he's the only one scoring goals right now.
1: I I predict he will score probably greater than 90% of our goals (laughs) in the the next calendar year or so. Are
0: you saying we're becoming a bit of a one-man team when it comes to goal
1: scoring? Surely not. I know, I know, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, some players were away, weren't they, on international duty? Yeah.
0: Granit um, oh Xhaka plans. wasn't there. He did a mad pass last night. Did you see you the see video? That pass, yeah.
1: That was mad. Well, he, it was his first game as the official Switzerland captain, having at long last inherited the armband from another former Arsenal hero, Stefan Lichsteiner. Um, and he obviously wanted to mark the occasion in spectacular style, and he did it with this, I mean, I've I've not really seen a past quite like it.
0: It's it's the technique is unusual. It's fair to it, say it's the
1: technique of a man with no, with no right foot, I guess, who's learned <laughs> to use the left foot improvisationally in almost every circumstance.
0: I, I think that would be reasonable if I hadn't watched the compilation of Granit Xhaka versus Germany, which somebody put together as a two and a half minute compilation of everything Granit Xhaka did against Germany. And his right foot was very much in action. Oh, really? Yeah, I have to tell you that he had a, a shot from distance, which burned Leno tipped over the bar. Uh, there were a couple of really good passes with his right foot, one in particular where he had the ball in central midfield and he just sprayed it out to the left hand side where you might imagine an Obama yang would be tearing down that outside mm. channel, looking to come inside with his right foot you know so there were there were moments when his right foot was very much in action. I just think it was maybe his body shape as much as anything, but it was sort of like it reminded me of um, uh, the guy from the Simpsons, Mr. McGreg, with a leg for an arm and an arm for a leg, it was like yeah. he would kick a ball in those circumstances.
1: <laughs> it was. He really sort of swipes at it and catches it off the outside of his boot. I mean, it's, yeah, it's worth uh, checking out. It's on Twitter somewhere. Uh, Granite Shaka having a shot against Bernard Leno with his right foot, that feels like a pre-match bet between <laughs> teammates. I, I bet you I'll score against you with my right boot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Leno wasn't having that. No, I think he
0: had a few few whacks, actually, on goalie, two or three shots from distance, and Leno had to make saves every time, so, you know, maybe Xhaka has been, I don't know, invigorated, reinvigorated, or more greatly invigorated than he was before, maybe he was just vigorated, and now he mm -hmm. is... He's invigorated ahead of a new season with Arsenal. Is he playing again? I don't know that they're playing again, Switzerland, before the... Um, before, Is he coming back, like? That's what I mean. I'm just going to have to check it out. I know there was a an Arsenal.com story. So you say something interesting here while I go back and look and see what, what fixtures he has.
1: I'm just trying to think of uh, who else was involved in internationals. I mean, Eddie Nketiah, um captained... England on 21s while Shaka was captaining the the senior Switzerland team and scored a hat trick, I believe. Yeah, Reese Nelson also scored. In which Reese Nelson also scored. Um, Very good performance from Max Ahrens, Mm. young right back in that game. But yeah, and Ketia was, you know, in typical predatory fashion. I mean, he is in that kind of awkward spot where he's sort of too good for like under-21, under-23 football, Mm. but not quite making a massive impact at at senior football, you know. He's in that transition period.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, a good hat-trick for him and a good goal for Reece Nelson. Bakayo Saka also played. Uh, Daniel Ballard made his uh, debut for Northern Ireland. Yes, Um, So congratulations to him. I've just looked it up here. Of course, Granit Xhaka has been called up to the Switzerland squad for their games against Ukraine on Thursday, September 3rd. Somehow that passed me by. Don't know how that happened. Uh, and Germany uh, on Sunday, sec- September sixth. So he'll be on his way back to London now, which is good, you know, to get him reintegrated uh, and in training ahead of ahead of the weekend's game. Sejkalasenac, I think, was involved um, for Bosnia. He's playing for Bosnia maybe tonight mm-hmm. or tomorrow night. Um, and Matteo Ganduzzi is uh, is going to captain France under twenty ones. Against Azerbaijan, the comeback starts here.
1: Yes, well, I mean, interesting, isn't it that they it would make him captain that team? It doesn't really tally with mm, the personality, maybe that we have seen, and or certainly, you know, that Arteta seems to have seen recently mm. at Arsenal. Um, but I think it's. Probably a good thing, you know, in terms of the market and trying to make him seem like a more attractive prospect. France under 21 captain, it sounds like a thing.
0: It does, it? yeah, and I'm sure all the uh, major scouts will be in attendance in uh, Azerbaijan this week. They'll be to watching check out the Azerbaijanis. Yeah.
1: Do you know what I mean? They want to keep a close eye uh, on, on those guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen much international football. Arsenal women played yesterday, the women are back. Yep, yeah,
0: with a bang. It has to be said. What oh. the, that goal from Vivian My holy shit. I that love a goal that so goes real. in off the underside of the crossbar, though. I am an absolute sucker
1: for that kind of a goal. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a cracker of a goal and a really good performance. But, I mean, the 23s game remains a mystery. Mm. Um, Aston Villa's title challenge starts here.
0: Well, look. Uh, we should mention before we move on from this uh, that Ainsley Maitland-Niles is, is away with England also, and they're playing uh, Denmark in Copenhagen tomorrow alone night.
1: In his hotel room.
0: Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that might well increase his chances of uh, of getting a game.
1: Um, Very possibly. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's. I looked at the bench at the weekend and it's sort of... Because it's the Nations League, it's only three subs. And I think, mm, I don't know. But it, you never know. He might play the second match. He'll be involved in some capacity.
0: Yeah, he could make his England debut. So so that's what's going on from an international perspective. Oh, Kieran Tierney, of course, uh, is playing tonight as well against the uh, Czech Republic. So, fingers crossed, uh, he comes through that one unscathed. Um... Yeah, I mean that's it really in terms of of internationals. What do you make I mean some people have uh you know I've said that in the in the three or the two sort of behind closed doors friendly games that we've played one against Queens Park Rangers one against Aston Villa um should we be worried that we have conceded three goals in each of those? Games. I mean, is Mikel Arteta? Is this why uh, it's it's happening behind closed doors? Mikel Arteta uh, practicing or or putting in place a new one five five <laughs> formation or one five four something like that.
1: I mean I don't know I, We You know We see conced- only conceded one Against Liverpool And they're the best team In the country So Maybe he has been Trying something out That's a little bit Tactically uh, Different mm. It's really Really hard to say I don't know much more About these games Than the rest of you Really Tentative as I was To kind of climb Scale the Emirates Stadium And sort of watch With binoculars From the roof um, We all know that would be much too dangerous for someone like me. So it didn't happen.
0: Yeah, it could only happen if you were singing the national anthem before the game, though, like that lady who did it for the FA Cup, remember? Oh, yeah. You know, to ensure social distancing. What is the best way to ensure social distancing from national anthem singing lady whose name I can't remember now? Hey,
1: did you um, by any chance see any of Soccer Aid last night, the celebrity ex-pro football match?
0: No, because, you know, I'd rather rip out my own eyes with a pair of rusty spoons than watch well, something like that. So, But I, I feel like you're going to tell me something interesting happened in it, and I, I may have to revise uh, my opinion.
1: It's, I'm not, but it's on the subject of sort of live music performances at football matches. Um, right. Robbie Williams uh, appeared at the stadium to perform as, like, CGI Uh, Hang on. Hang on. No, no, you're not. You know, so did he appear or did he not? Was he a hologram? Was he CGI? No, it was him, but he was on a green screen in his house and they made it look like he was at the stadium performing for social distancing reasons. Um, Mm. It
0: seems quite. Complicated, why didn't they just fucking put him on the roof like they did with the, the, the lady? Maybe who did the- Robbie
1: Williams is scared of heights, that's the only possible conclusion here.
0: I well, let's see. Is Robbie Williams well? When you google that, the first thing you get is, Is Robbie Williams dead? So I think we can say that he's probably not dead,
1: uh, maybe he is, and that's why they're projecting in images. It's a conspiracy. Robbie he's Williams been dead for is years. Dead.
0: And that's he was why murdered a, yeah. by
1: his fellow uh, Take That Gary, band members. Gary fucking Barlow. Barlow killed him in a fit of jealousy Mr. after his fucking initial Barlow. solo success. And since then, we've been watching hologram projection of Robbie Williams. Mm. What happens if you do Google is Robbie Williams dead? Well, I, I, you Google it. I've got. The I, I started head. googling. Is Robbie before that? You get is Robbie Coltrane dead? Comes up as a suggested thing. Yeah, um, no. Actually, it's a bit depressing because it just tells you that Robin Williams is dead. Oh no! You, no one needs to be reminded of that.
0: Yeah, is Robbie Williams scared of heights? No. Apparently, he says he's in constant fear of meltdown. Uh, he's living in fear of being attacked. Um, which is pretty grim, and then he couldn't get off his sofa for three years because he's battled agoraphobia. So,
1: oh, well, maybe that's what's going on.
0: Yeah, so there you go. But we're, we I feel bad for taking the Mickey out of him in a way. Well, look, it's not like you put him on the roof of a stadium and made him sing while he was shitting himself that he was going to fall <laughs> off. You know, that's true. That's so, true. who who else was involved in this soccer aid business? Any uh, Arsenal connection at all, or?
1: I'm trying to think. Well, I know that Colin Lewin, uh, and I think maybe Gary Lewin as well, they were the physios, uh, which I think is quite a full on job because a lot of these people are not in the best of shape anymore, particularly the celebrities. Uh, John Terry played. Um, I'm even less interested in it now than I did before. I'm trying to think. I don't think there was much Arsenal involvement. if any. But I wasn't really watching it, to be honest, Andrew. I just sort of turned on at half-time and was like, why, are they, why is there a fake Robbie Williams live in the stadium? And I had to look more into it. OK, well, there you go. Uh, but, I mean, quiet Arsenal. I mean, we're playing, I don't know, what is it, five days?
0: Five days, yeah. The season starts on Saturday. So, you know, this week is going to build up, but we've been in this kind of strange... You know, interlull period slash post community shield. I mean, everybody just had a post community shield hangover, didn't they? The celebrations, of you know, that reverberated around the world, not just in North London, but but everywhere. I think people people really had a good time with that, you know. So it's it's um, it's obvious there was going to be a bit of a an anticlimactic period after that. But you know, let's go back and talk a little bit about something that that did happen. Danny Sibusis is back on loan. Officially he signed last Friday night. So that was that was a nice time for an announcement.
1: And played on the Saturday.
0: Yeah, because the the story was that he because he was coming from Spain and it's a bit of a COVID hotspot was going to have to Um, being quarantined in kind of the same way we assume that Gabriel was when he arrived and then they did the, you know, the socially distanced welcome video. You know, he wasn't even allowed over to Kia Dravgian's house to sit on the sofa with William and and the piles of um, money that they have over there. But, you know... uh, it 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 uh, it was a bit of a surprise to see him, but apparently it comes because he was part of uh, what's called an elite sports organization, which is Real Madrid. Um, I see. Like professional sports teams have this exemption, um, where you know they because they are in these elite sports things. Actually, I had an email from somebody, and I should I should read it out here because it was quite interesting. Um,
1: yeah, because I mean, I think it was sort of an assumption, wasn't it, that he'd have to go into quarantine? I think, which is fair enough. I mean, yeah. that's sort of the rules, but uh, he does have this exemption. Whether or not that's right, I don't know enough about you know, the science or the testing to say.
0: Yeah, well, I got an email from somebody. I'm not sure if I can say his name or if he's allowed to reveal this information. So I won't actually say his name, but thanks to him for getting in touch anyway. And he said, I work for the Mercedes Formula One team, currently writing uh, this to you from the track in Monza. And the way it works in Formula One is that we're getting tested every four or five days generally. And then you have to have a test 24 hours prior to flying home. And as long as the test is negative, you can return to the UK, accompanied by an elite sports letter that's guaranteed or granted by the government, which means you don't have to quarantine. So that's mm. that's the situation with uh, with uh, with Danny Sabayas. So he's obviously got that letter, which means he doesn't have to quarantine.
1: I think it's really good news to get him back. And the fact that he could go in and play on the Saturday, albeit in a friendly game, straight away, I think shows the value. You know, in a season where pre is so short where you don't have much time to tweak things to help people settle to have a guy who already knows the team already <clears throat> knows what Arteta wants to do has those relationships to parachute straight in I think it's ideal, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it is. And obviously, midfield is, is still an area of, of um, focus, I think, for, mm-hmm. for people who are interested in transfers. And no doubt we'll have a question or two about that uh, uh, as the show goes on. That rule, by the way, is also in place for the players who go away on international duty. Yeah. Um, and they stay we get them back, yeah, apparently they stay within their international bubble, even though all the players are coming from different parts of the world and through different airports and meeting with different people and mingling and all that kind of stuff, even though there 's all that going on they 've got a letter because they 're in a bubble, and they 're allowed to return home. Um, but I do feel like it feels inevitable to me, and I could be wrong here, and I hope I am, but it feels slightly inevitable to me. That an Arsenal player is gonna test positive for COVID nineteen at some point. I think Man City have announced that is it Riyad Mahrez and somebody else, uh, Laporte Emerick Laporte have tested positive. So they're gonna they're gonna be missing for the start of the season for them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know we've had our run in with with COVID with Mikel Arteta and everything else, but it just feels like sooner or later one of our guys is gonna is gonna get it. And we'll probably have licked a few of the other players in training or something like that. <sighs>
1: <laughs> well, I think, you know, uh, Arteta was spoken about very publicly, but in a lot of uh, player cases or other staff cases, there's patient confidentiality, right? So, Arsenal, mm. I don't think we're obliged to uh, make it public, Ooh. you know, if, if players were did contract it. I mean, who knows? Maybe there's quite a high level of antibodies. In the Arsenal squad, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, Are you are you
0: are you saying that maybe they did already? I don't know. Okay, sorry, you're just you're just speculating. I'm just hypothesising.
1: Right. Okay. Fine. That's that. If the manager had it, and he was working at the train ground, and there were other people at the train ground, it's very possible other people might have had it. They might not even have had any symptoms. But yeah, who knows? I mean, it, it does feel. I mean, it feels like something that would happen to us, right?
0: Yeah. For sure. Like on Friday, <laughs> Arsenal announced that everybody has got COVID-19.
1: Yeah. The training ground has been burnt to the ground after <laughs> it was found to be infected. They've you salted know. the earth. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing shall ever grow there again. Uh, that does feel inevitable. But... Um, well, look, Hopefully crossed. not. Hopefully not. I mean, hopefully that's not. the weird thing about the rule, right? Like, obviously, these elite athletes are exempt. Um, but, you know... They're still getting it. Footballers are still getting it. They're exempt, but not immune. They're not immune. Yeah. (laughs) Just because you got a fucking letter, mate, doesn't mean you're immune. We've got a special Premier League vaccine that they've all had. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I do feel like the cracks in that will probably start to show as as winter sets in, but let's not get too uh, depressing about that.
0: No, let's not. Um, Transfer news. There hasn't been a great deal since last week, obviously. Um, Some links with... Uh, Socrates and Lucas Torreira to Italy, but beyond that, not a great deal. I did see a report over the weekend from um, RMC in France. I'm not quite sure um, the provenance of it beyond that or the reliability of it, but it was sort of one of those... Remember years ago when you'd read stuff in the newspaper uh, and it would just sort of drop like what seemed to be a fairly big piece of news right at the end of a Mm. a story about (laughs) blah, blah, blah. There'd be this big, long story, and then it would be like, uh, meanwhile, Arsenal have had a £78 million bid for Roberto Baggio turned down by Juventus. And it would just be that. And you get these weird snippets in the newspaper. So this was one of those where it just sort of had a big, long list of transfer stuff. And it said, and with regard to, uh, Oa um, Leon have had a bid of 35 million plus a player uh, from Arsenal, so, but they turned it down. And that's right. it. They didn't say any more. Yeah.
1: Like, no well, more.
0: Like, which player? We need to, we need to know which player.
1: So I, I spoke to someone in France about this, another journalist, and they were saying that... Oh, this- that's good. I'm
0: glad it was a journalist and not just Jean-Pierre that you rang <laughs> up out of the phone book.
1: Uh, and he said that... Um, Jean-Pierre said... <laughs> uh, ah, this <I, laughs> is uh, about. poor. Um, He's about... Yeah, anyway, I, I've, I've really lost track with this. He, he took off his beret and he said to me, between munching on his baguette, he said... Uh that's a reference to a previous bid that was made weeks ago ah, and okay. included Matteo Ganduzi. But it's just a re it's just a sort of callback essentially to this did happen. Right. Um, so I feel like it was one of those where we were like, what about Ganduzi plus this bag of potatoes, essentially? And obviously it's not panned out. Um but, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, uh, OR. Awar. Because, you know, the, the names that are being talked about, I mean, we had a question about this, maybe we should do the question. Yeah, do. The names that are being talked about for the midfield are O R and Thomas Partey, as far as I can tell. But a few people have been getting in touch saying, like, if you had to choose a kind of type out of those two, which do you think should be Arsenal's priority? at this point.
0: I would say the Oa type, to be honest. That would mm. be my personal preference. Um, I,
1: I he thought- can do a lot of things. So he can play, like, central midfield. He can play behind the striker. Apparently, he can play on the left as well. Um, so he gives you options. He's, he is a more naturally attacking mm. player. Uh, I, I almost feel like if you've got Shaka and Sabios If you add Thomas Party to that, I'm not sure it solves your problem enormously. Depends on the problem that you're trying to fix. Yes, I'm thinking about connecting the midfield with the attack. I know that Sabaïs does a bit of that, and I know that Mm. Party and Shaka do a bit of it, but it's not sort of their the focus of their game. I would Mm. say.
0: Yeah, I mean, so much depends on what Mikel Arteta's long-term vision for his team is, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Because um, maybe midfield recruitment will tell us what he wants to do ultimately with his defence. Does he want to stick with a back three? Uh, and at the moment, we feel like we need to stick with a back three because because of the personnel that we have. Um, but maybe in the long term... You know, the, the, the idea of moving to a bank four gives us that extra per, uh, player um, further forward. So, I don't know.
1: There's other, the other thing to consider in weighing those two, by the way, is like, as an investment. You know, parties 27, the old question of resale value will be there. I think his wages would be substantially more, probably, than what ours would be. So. Should
0: we be worrying about that? Pfft. Should we though? I mean, I know it's. I know we now. Who
1: who, who do you mean by we? I mean, we we as fans or we we as Arsenal?
0: We as fans and maybe we as Arsenal. I know we try and look at transfers from every conceivable angle now. You know, to look at it not just from, okay, what will this guy bring us on the pitch, but like, what will we be able to do with this guy, you know, three years down the line? Um. I recognize the, the long standing and repetitive issues we have with players who get to 29, 30 years of age, you know, there or thereabouts, that we then find difficult to move on. But players, you know, between 27, 29, 30 are kind of, you know, generally in their peak years. Which is when they give you their best they've you know they 're um, experienced enough and, and all that kind of stuff, so that that balance i mean, do I want us to sign twenty nine year olds thirty year olds no, do I want us to sign thirty two year olds not really, but I suppose he was free free twenty um, seven year old you could be looking at getting you know two three maybe more good seasons out of him if you know, if that's what you want from the player, like, why are you buying him? Are you buying him so you can generate transfer funds later? Or are you buying him to do a job for the team that you need done right now? I mean, there's yeah,
1: there's yeah. The, the balance. That's true. And you can extract value from a signing in ways other than kind of residual value. You know, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, we're never going to get any yeah. money back for him. But he's been value, I would argue in terms of his massive contribution. No one would contest that, I don't think. Um, I think the problem for Arsenal is that they. this is what they sort of do a bit too much of. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if it, if it was like in this summer we bought a load of 23-year-olds and we're getting Thomas Party because he's the missing piece of the jigsaw, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's cool. But I guess when you sit it next to... Signing Willian and you know giving an extension to David Luiz, giving potentially Aubameyang another extension mm. in that context, yeah, yeah. I worry about it more,
0: sure. Okay, um, no, I see that. I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate a bit, and as I no, said, I, think I would it's be an more
1: interesting debate,
0: yeah. I'd be more inclined to go for OA oh, uh, to be honest. I just think, um, you know, again, longer term probably does more for us in an area of the pitch where we really need it because we have been um, struggling for creativity in midfield. Um, so that would be my thing. but like I, I sometimes think that when we look at transfers, maybe the the balance between what the financial element of the deal might be and what the player could actually bring to us on the pitch sometimes tips too far the other way. Um, and again, I'm not saying this is uh, advocating for signing parte or anything like that. But you know, if there's some logic to to doing it, I mean, um, Daniel Iswanda, who's on Twitter at Daniel Iswanda, says, "Aren't you worried that it seems like we're the only ones going for parte and Oa? Like, why aren't there any other teams strongly linked with parte, for example, the way we are?"
1: Uh. I could give you one good reason um, and it might be that he has a personal agreement with Arsenal. You know, if, if what we are told about the story is true, that there's a, a release clause in place and it's a question of whether or not Arsenal play it, the chances of him not having had a conversation with the club or with representatives of the club about his terms, I'd say are slim to none. So it may just be that it, it is a fait accompli. And I, and I don't, as I say, I don't know that, but that could explain that. Another reason could be maybe the, the need of other clubs isn't so great in that area. I mean, Spurs wanted a central midfielder. They went out and bought the guy from Southampton, didn't mm. they, Hoibier. Uh, but aside from that, mm. I'm not sure. I mean, United got van der Beek yeah. from Ajax who's a player that Arsenal watched really closely and looked at pretty closely, and he would have been very, very happy to come to Arsenal, Donny van der Beek, but Arsenal didn't come through with the money
0: at the end. How much did he go to Man United for? €40 million. Right, so we don't have the money for van der Beek, Mm. but we can get Uh, more than that for Partey. Is that it?
1: I, I don't know. Isn't that I, the guy I, who was in Dawson's Creek? Van Der Beek? Yeah. I didn't watch Dawson's Creek. I don't know.
0: Right, there you go. I think it was. Anyway, never mind.
1: But, but uh, again, they are quite different players, in a way. I okay. know that Thomas Partey's not a sort of pure defensive midfielder, as some people characterise him as. He's someone who can break lines with passing or with dribbling. You know, he's good on the turn. But van der Beek, he, you know, he's someone who's a bit like Aaron Ramsey. I think his real skill is running beyond the striker and getting involved in the penalty box. Right. Um, it's, I mean, arguably, someone we could really have done with. Uh, hmm yeah
0: yeah okay no I'm mean, just speculating on the financials uh, of that like if one thing is impossible for us you know is something in the same price bracket also impossible for us or maybe it's just a question of timing or until it, we until we manage to generate some funds in order to you know
1: yeah or or is it a question that um, you don't do one because you want to do the other or is it a question mm. that I mean the thing about the party thing is it is a release clause so Arsenal don't have to be in a hurry with him, really. They can they can say, you know, if the release clause is what is it, fifty million euros, something like that. Yeah, reportedly, they can say, right, we'll give you thirty million, and Atletico can say no, and then Arsenal go back and say thirty-one, and they can say no, and they will, and they can keep playing that game effectively until deadline day when they're like, oh, fine. Here's the money, in theory. In theory,
0: yeah, but like, you know, there's a whole sort of season starting before that, and if the guy has a release clause, it's and you want the guy, and you really want the guy, you know, pay the release clause, if you Mm. think he's worth it. But is he worth it? Is he worth 50 million when, you know, in two years' time, he might be worth less?
1: You and know. it is an interesting point. I mean, there aren't really. It's not like there's a, a long list of clubs. Even Gabrielle, for example, you know, we were competing with Everton, with Napoli, talk of Manchester United. You're not Head really seeing that. What
2: were what? those people
1: there? <laughs> <laughs> um, So yeah, I I find it fascinating. I do feel a bit like party. I, I do feel like, uh, uh, although I've sort of made the argument for why it could still be on the table. It does feel like a bit of a, a legacy thing. I feel mm. like that was a deal that Raúl was working on. It's a deal that the scouting department were quite involved with. You know, is that still on the table to the same extent? I'm yeah. not so sure. And if you look at some of the noises that come out around it... um. It feels like he would obviously want the move to happen because it would be a massive uh, uplift in his wage, and he would, you know, come to the Premier League, which I, I think he would really like. Um, but it is you're right? Is the will is the will from Arsenal still there? Mm. I'm not so sure because basically, well, let's let's do this question because Vanek Bostanian asks: Do you see Subiós more as a Shaka complement? or a Shaka replacement? He says, both can't run, both play deep, both have a good <laughs> passing range. Danny's more mobile and press resistant. And he says, I'd like to see Danny plus a physical presence, plus a more final third presence in a three-man midfield.
0: Well, that's a good question. Like, I'm not sure that Tobias has the, the same kind of passing range as Shaka. Mm. Um, I think he's more of a... Um, he's more of a tiki-taka player than Shaka. Mm. Than if you like. Can use the ball well in tight spaces, and I think his maneuverability or his, uh, you know, his uh, litheness, his suppleness, James, uh, does get him out of trouble at, at times, and that's something that the midfield has missed. But I don't really see them as, um, as the same kind of players. I'd be curious to see what Xhaka, Sabayos and... A more creative midfielder um, would look like mm. you know um, somebody further ahead who could provide that little bit of youthful creativity and who had some legs and had some pace and who was able to make passes and, and maybe dribble get between the lines get beyond players um, it feels like you might have a good platform for that player to do that if you have Ceballos behind him and Shaka behind him. Because generally, even though they do different things with the ball, they're both pretty secure in possession.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I think the question from Valle has a good point. And I think Ceballos could play Shaka's role, but... I sort of think my hunch is Arsenal will probably buy one more central midfield player rather than two. Hmm. Uh, And that's what makes me think, well, I sort of hope that's someone with a bit more uh, of an attacking mindset. And then this season, you're looking at a first choice trio of, like you just said, Shaka Sabahas and one other. In 12 months' time you look at what Shaq has got left on his deal you look at his age and maybe you think well if we can sell him and buy Danny Tobias and he can take on that role then I think that's something maybe you consider in the evolution of the team mm. but I think they'll play together this season actually like they did um, for, the major- for the majority of the, the restart but hopefully with a a third more attacking component in there.
0: Yeah, just to go back to that question that I asked about conceding goals in games, I remember that it came from a question that I had up here uh, from Twitter. It was from Tim the Gooner, who who is at the Arsenal chat. So I don't know if that means he's good at um, uh, talking or if he is a French cat. Um, <laughs> one or the other. I just, I just don't know. Um, yeah, it will be interesting to see what they do with that midfield. Um, I think it's going to be... Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. We did, of course, have uh, a first sighting of Willian in an Arsenal
1: shirt. Yeah, did you, Uh, by the way... Go on. uh, On the subject of Willian, did you watch the training video that Arsenal put out?
0: I didn't, actually.
1: Okay, it's worth watching. It's interesting because you remember what was the game where Danny Ceballos produced a brilliant, beautiful pass that he kind of clipped into a channel for someone to run through on the right wing? Maybe it was Saka who went through. Uh, It was at the Emirates Stadium. Do you know the pass I mean? It was like a he... Fabregas-esque lofted through ball. Kind of. Maybe...
0: It's all gone a bit hazy, you know, the end of last season and stuff. But I feel
1: like maybe it was through for Bakaya Saka and he squared it and someone scored from the right-hand side. Anyway. Yes, was... I remember it
0: now in, in abstract terms, but I don't remember yes, the specific. doesn't
1: Saka do a little shuffle? And everyone was like, oh, what a lovely move from him. Do you know what I mean? Where yeah. he sort of, uh, he faints and he... Takes the defender's soul, as the kids say. Yeah, um, and squares it. What goal is that? It's for Aubameyang, I guess.
0: It is. Uh, it could be against. Let me see.
1: Leicester. Shouting it out at home. Leicester. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Arsenal. Leicester. Aubameyang. Yeah, that makes that that makes sense. Aubameyang goal. Any- Leicester. One one. Here it is. Um... Oh, I've got an advert for Now TV. For God's sake. I've got to sit through it. Well, the point being, if it is this game, uh, Arsenal were, in this training session that was filmed, working on pretty much exactly this move. Right. It was, re- it was really interesting. They were doing it using... Your, it was Leicester, you were right. So it's the Spires ball over the top. Uh, shuffle from Saka, squares it, Aubameyang taps it. Right. So uh, they were doing pretty much exactly this move, and and interestingly, it's not it's not hugely lofted the pass from Spurs. It just sort of skips through about sort of chest height. But they were doing it with Mohamed El Um I guess because he is has been playing in that kind of right sided central midfield role in pre season. Right. And they were, they were working it out. From the goalkeeper, they were going via Hector Bellerin, working the ball into Nenny, and he was lofting these passes into that channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually racing onto it, it was either Pepe or William. And they were both kind of working that right channel. And then, when the one of them who wasn't working the right channel, one would pick, take up a position in the center, mm. which, you know, of course, one can read too much into who's there on the day they do training, who, you know, how you interpret things. But I did wonder, you know, is that something we're going to see? That Pepe and William might form, you know, two parts of a slightly more attack minded. Team formation midfield. Um, we don't had, know, just yes. thought it was interesting.
0: We had a question here, I think um Scott McMurdo says at Scott McMurdo says from the limited training picks and videos, it seems like Willie has been training on the right. Assuming he plays there, what do you think this means for Pepe and also Nelson? Because, like, the word yeah. was, you know, when the before Willian signed and everyone was going, well, you know, we've got Pepe playing from the right and Willian plays from the right and you know, we pay £72 million pounds for Pepe and Willian is, you know, 32 now and right. blah, blah, yeah. And then it was, you know, there was a, a slew of articles which were like, well, actually, actually, Mikel Arteta sees Willian as somebody who can play in the middle as part of his creative blah, blah, blah. So, um, do you think that's... Is that your impression my of my voice? No, not you. I, did you write something like that? I don't <laughs> I remember. I did
1: write... Some, I, I wrote that... Uh, no, what I wrote is that William prefers to play a number 10. Yeah, like, that's see, that's, there's, what there's what
0: a subtle distinction play there, play. James, between what yeah. you wrote and what I was very, very, um, you know, that's lightly mocking. It's good to yeah. check that. That's fine, that's
1: fine. Um, but I think... I mean, a lot of people have said, oh, uh, he might move to the left, Willian, and Aubameyang play through the middle. I mean, that is possible. But Willian's not played a great deal of football from the left. He's predominantly played from the right. Um, He does like it in the middle. Sure, he doesn't. It is going to be really interesting. I mean, the other thing to say is that we saw Pepe have his best, probably his best Arsenal performance, I would say, ever in the FA Cup final playing as that kind of inside Mm. right forward. Um, So, yeah, I I think that we might see Pepe maybe taking up slightly more central positions. Who knows? I mean, I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility that when it ends up in that front five, you know, I think we have established we don't want Pepe to be the guy on the extreme right. We want him to be one in from that. Yeah, Um, Mm. And maybe the wide guy... You know, maybe it could be Willian as the, as the widest member of that front five. Um, especially if you're about to sell your attacking, overlapping fullback. I don't know. So many questions. What but, about that? Have we, have we spoken about H- Hector Bellerin? Um, I don't know that we did. No, I think it didn't. I think the times weren't. Yeah, quite lined I, I think up. I, I, mean,
0: I spoke about it on the podcast on Friday. I'm sure. Yeah, I did mm. sp- spoke about it with Nick Ames uh, on Friday, but obviously we haven't had had a chance to talk about it. I mean, what are your thoughts on on his potential departure? Um,
1: do, do you know? Do you know what's funny? What? It, we had a conversation the previous week, and and I think even I might have suggested, you know, well, he's yeah, you now. did I'm actually, sure yeah. Right back. yeah. Um, but as soon as I saw um, that Hector was being talked about, you know, with PSG and that, I found myself kind of <laughs> second guessing and going, no. is he, act- is he no. actually ready? No,
0: do you don't know what do I mean? Don't like, do it, don't do it. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's because I sort of think Bellerin's one of the more experienced players at this point and you sort of know what you're getting from him. And he's a kind of known quantity, uh, even though if he's not quite at the level he was, but, you know, I think he's shown signs he's coming back to that. I mean, Arsenal are in this weird position. They've got to sell some people, right? Mm. Um, but they don't quite seem to have the price they want for anybody on the table. So at the moment, we're selling no one, and that's not good. Basically,
0: yeah, because you know my understanding of our finances is what we sell, we can spend there or thereabouts. You right. know. It's it's that kind of ballpark. Maybe there's some wiggle room, you know, but, but without sales, I think we're going to struggle. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to sell X, Y, and Z, but people are only bidding for A and B, you're in a bit of a pickle.
1: Mm, exactly. You know, and I've and- seen people
0: say, like, uh, apologies, I know that uh, this question might have come from the Discord, but I can't find it right in front of me. Um, let's see if I can just find it very quickly. Uh, yeah, James Reef, um, on the Discord says, Um, why are the executive team report- reportedly selling uh, the low hanging fruit Ballerin, Melon Niles, Torreira when their salaries ought to be earned by selling the likes of Kalasinach, Chambers, Mustafi, Socrates, uh, Ozil, Genduzzi, etc.? Some of those players are genuinely surplus, and you know. Maybe that's an argument. The question you can answers
1: pay. itself, though, doesn't it? I mean, they're yeah. not attractive to, to buy it. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately,
0: no matter Alex how hard that. you try to sell, like you know, going cheap, Kolesnich, anybody.
1: <laughs> but he's not cheap because he's not going to take a pay cut. So,
0: and I saw that Arsenal were looking for like fifteen million euros for him, which you know, I I think is you know okay by all means. Place that valuation on a player, but don't be surprised if nobody takes you up on it.
1: I think he's a hard player to sell because he came on a free transfer. So he's on a higher salary than you would customarily see Mm. for a player of his caliber. And I think, you know, for a buying club, that's... Pretty daunting. Mm. I think any, I think any, any situation where he leaves the club will probably see Arsenal still making a contribution to that wage for for the remainder of his contract because yeah. no one's going to take over 100 percent of it. Yeah. Um, but but then beyond that, you know those names. I mean, it's not easy to find buyers for those players on the salaries they're on. And we I think Arsenal. I mean, maybe they knew that going in, but I think what we're actually seeing is it's bloody hard to sell off people in this squad yeah you can sell you might be able to sell emmy martinez for eight million or ainsley macklin's for 15 you can do a deal you don't want to do at a price you don't want to do but you know getting 30 million quid from a tag and doozy it's not easy in the current market it doesn't feel particularly likely
0: no no i mean that is that is the big challenge um
1: and, maybe- and he was kind of, you know, we don't know all the ins and outs of what went on there, but it did feel like there was almost a decision of... Uh, there was a pretty clear decision on who was excluded from the squad mm. at the back end of last season. And at the moment, it appears completely impossible or highly unlikely to move on those people. And so now decisions are having to be made on players who who we weren't in that group. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. And look, I think we're going to take a little break here because we can just pick this discussion up again because there was the presence of somebody who wasn't uh, part of the team or the squad at the end of last season, but was back in the Villa game. Uh We'll talk about him in a couple of moments' time because I've got a question for you about that. And also... Just to El uh, it's
1: El Nanny, yeah, isn't it?
0: it is just to spice things up for those of you who would like to win a mug, would you like to win a mug? We've got three mugs to give away, um with thanks to our They're friends. nice mugs they are nice mugs, you got one, mine hasn't yeah. arrived, yet which is a shame, but there you go. Um, (laughs) They come from uh, playbookproducts.co.uk, Greatest Arsenal Plays mug. Uh, For example, number 14 wins number 14. It's sort of a diagram of the Aubameyang goal, um, ball, all that kind of stuff. So we've got three mugs to give away um, to our lucky listeners. All you have to do is... Um, send, uh, an email to competition at arsblog.com. competition at arsblog.com And it would have been wise for me to think of a question, wouldn't it? Yes.
1: Does there need to be a question? Um, is Robbie Williams
0: dead? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Is Robbie Williams dead? <laughs> yes or no? Um, is that question in poor taste? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he's not dead. No, I think it's fine. But what if? No, hang on, hang on. What if he dies?
1: Oh, what if the and also what if there is a conspiracy theory and he was murdered by Gary Barlow ten years ago?
0: Exactly. I tell you what, we don't want. We don't want to be sitting here doing the podcast one day and there's a knock on the door and you open your door and it's fucking Gary Barlow and I've got that Jason Orange cunt at my door and they're they're here to rub us out to stop us spreading this uh, spreading the truth about what happened to Robbie.
1: Mm, that's the last thing we want, I would say. I would well, let's, say so. So let's have uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's have another question about Robbie Williams. Then, um, oh, go on. What what uh, football team does he support?
0: Okay. What football team does Robbie Williams support? Send your entry to competition at arsblog.com. I'll give you the winners on Friday's Arsecast.
1: Now, though... I can't believe that's the question. Can you believe
0: <laughs> What well, should we think of another question? This, this no, not-
1: no, no, no. It's good. It's thematic. We were talking about it.
0: Yeah, it's football. People can do a quick Google.
1: Yeah, fine. Okay. Oh, all right. What, who, what, what football teams does Robbie Williams support?
0: What's your favourite Robbie Williams song? Angels. You've got a favourite Robbie Williams song. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh.
1: He's loving angels instead. You've got to go to the break or I'm going to sing it. And through no, it. No, no.
0: See, you to sleep. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the ArsCast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter, at GunnerBlog and at ArseBlog. On the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the ArseBlog. And on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an ArseBlog member on Patreon. And if you aren't and you want to get involved in our fantasy football league, uh, you've got until Friday to sign up at patreon.com Will forward slash... I am playing, yeah. I am. I've already picked my team. Have you? Yep.
1: What have you got in it? I
0: couldn't tell you. All I did was, my my, <laughs> my goal in this is to get the least amount of points possible. Right. Right.
1: So, okay, so you want to finish bottom.
0: I want to finish bottom. I want to have, like, almost no points. I can't figure out... <laughs> What? How I signed in with this thing? Um, did I? Sign so have on you just Twitter? picked a team
1: sort of at random, or
0: no? It was quite quite specific. Um, I I picked as many players as I thought would never play during the right. season as possible. I can't find my login for the Premier League. I don't know what. Uh, I don't know what email address I used. Um, oh. Fantasy Premier. Let's see. Um, No.
1: Always a fun game, this. Yeah,
0: not in that. Trying to remember things like this. Which email address is So, yeah. Anyway, look, if you want to get involved from the... um, uh, Oh, I did it with my Gmail account. Okay. Uh, I'll have a look at that while we're talking. But, yeah, there are prizes for first, second, and third... Um, there's like cash prizes and Arsenal shirts and all kinds of things to give away. So if you want to get on board, are you going to pick a team? Are you going to play? Are you going to do oh, it? I'm going to
1: play. I quite, I, I quite yeah. like it. But my, my brother um, is mm. really into it, like a proper, like, you know, there's all these, there's this whole subculture of like uh, people who are really, really obsessed by fantasy football. And there's sort of a lot of, you know, blogs and mm. podcasts around it. But the degree of seriousness with which they take it is genuinely quite hilarious right. um, i'm trying to think uh yeah just, just I, I, it's just very funny like when things like coronavirus happened the pandemic there were all these fancy football accounts coming out and saying things like listen i know people are upset about fancy football not happening but you know at the end of the day, it's pandemic, and we've got to put that to one side. And I'm like, of course you've got to put it to one side. <laughs> it's fantasy football. We're in a pandemic. It's fantasy. Uh, it's Yeah, it is, it is a kind of fascinating uh, thing. But I will play, for sure. I'll play in the Arseblog League. Yeah, please I'll do. I'll probably be one team above you.
0: Yeah, well, you know, that's still a glorious victory there, um, even though I am trying my best to finish uh, as low as I can. I'm doing the password reactivation thing so I can, you know...
1: Are you so actually can... making transfers and stuff like no, during the season to no, get worse players? No, I'm just going to, like, I've picked my team, I'm not even going to look at it. I'm only
0: going to look at the, the scores. Um right. Like, I hope some of the bums that I pick don't have breakthrough seasons and become I really we important. I can
1: guarantee someone in this team is going to be, like, the breakout be star. Like, what the
0: fuck? I got, like, 70 points. How did that happen? And some, like, left back whose captain scored a hat trick and got an assist or whatever. So, yeah...
1: Anyway, um, what were we talking are you, about? Are you getting close to seeing it? Or no, no, no.
0: I'll do a question while we're talking about it. I can see the Premier League. It's asking me to reset my password now, but we'll come, uh, we'll come back to it in due course. Anyway, the question comes from the Discord, and it's from Dog Cheese. Um, yeah, that's a... That's a brand I haven't tried, I have to say. Um, He says, good morning. Is it
1: cheese for dogs or cheese made from the the milk milk of dogs? dogs. It's a good question. Mm. Need to know. Cheese dogs. I think it's it's cheese for dogs because isn't cheese, real cheese, quite bad for dogs?
0: I don't know. Our dogs like cheese. They just like cheese, Yeah.
1: What sort of cheese is
0: Robbie Williams dead? Can dogs eat cheese? We're answering the fucking questions, everyone. Is the
1: the new question. Uh, While some dogs can eat cheese, and most dogs love it, it says dogs can be intolerant of cheese.
0: Yeah, they can be lactose intolerant, just
1: like humans. Yeah. Um, What was the question? Um, Dog cheese.
0: Oh yeah, I've got to ask the question first. So. He says... Do you you want
1: me to answer it first? No, no, no. I'll ask
0: it. I'll ask it it. Um, while you consider, you know, where exactly the cheese is coming from. He says, Arteta constantly or consistently said Mesut Ozil didn't play last season or the end of last season for tactical reasons, which I totally understand since our strongest run of form came from playing three at the back, which Ozil doesn't fit into. If we switch to Arteta's ideal 4-2-3-1, assuming that, is what his ideal is. It's not maybe a 4-3-3, but, you know, we're splitting hairs here. Uh, Can you see Ozil finally getting some playing time, at least as a sub? I know he'll never be as involved as he once was, but I'd love to see him play for us at least once more. (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, more. that's, you know, a fairly high bar for I the think, season already. But. I
1: th- I think the, the, the listeners going to get their wish. I think they will see them as a player at least once more. Um, I don't know. I mean, what do we make of him being involved at the weekend against Villa? Do we think that signifies anything? I, I mean, I guess it does. I mean, there was a period last season where... You know, there was a period where he wasn't even training. Then there was a period where he came back and he was training, but he wasn't being picked. Mm. Um, which is different to Guendouzi, I believe, who was training on his own. Um, as I was training with the group, I think, but just not being used. Mm. I, I, I think he's going to play a minor role in the coming season. And I, and I think football reasons are p- possibly part of that. But clearly, I think this goes a bit beyond football reasons, you know? Mm.
0: Well, I mean, it does suggest that there has been some kind of rapprochement uh, between the two, uh, or, you know, the situation is um, on the mend, slightly. Mm. Um, So, look, I don't know that we can read anything at all into the fact that he appeared in a game that nobody saw at the weekend against Aston Villa. You know, sure. I don't think there's too much to be read into that. I mean, I suppose it's a positive that he, you know, if you're a fan of Mesut Ozil, that he is back and he's in the team and he's playing again. You know, you can read that much into it. The proof of this particular pudding will be, you know, what happens when the Premier League kicks off again. Is he going to be involved uh, in the squad for the Premier League games? We know now that there are going to be only seven subs available and only three subs are going to be allowed to be used because of the... the 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 vote that the premier league clubs had so you know had it been a you know a five from nine situation you could probably say with a bit more assurance that that you know he he would get some playing time my my feeling on this right now um given that we have so many issues to contend with and so many things still to sort out uh is to just sort of defer to Mikel Arteta's judgment on this one, he he spoke about Genduzi and he said, you know, the slate is clean. I think is kind of what he said. Again, whether that's true or not depends on how involved Genduzi is going to be once the season begins. And I think it's the same thing with Mesut Ozil. But if we if we uh, have a player who's earning that amount of money who is not going to go anywhere or doesn't want to leave then you can do two things. One, you can just leave him out and for the whole thing to be a, a you know, a, a cloud over your season, or you can try and find a way to use him and extract some value from his clear talent as a football player. And if Mikel Arteta feels like he can do that, the start of a season when I'm sitting here and everything is optimistic and everything is kind of, you know, we've turned over a fresh page, anything can happen, I'm open to the idea that Mesut Ozil can come in and do something for us this season. Whether that turns out to be the case or not, I don't know. But in the circumstances, do you really just keep a guy who's, who's earning that much money out of the squad or do you try and get something from him? What's the practical way of dealing with that situation? Mm. So mean- that's that's where I am with it. Like, if he plays great for us, fantastic because when he plays really well you know he's he's uh, an incredible talent mm. but if it starts becoming a problem again during the season or we have you know some of the issues we've seen over the last couple of years then you know people will, will question the, the judgment but you know right now let's just see what happens that's where I am with it
1: interesting so I have a few different thoughts I mean one of them is that actually you know the sort of weird culture war that that has broken around the around the player. I think will be at its worst if he's sort of involved but not as involved as some people would like. I think it's better like he's in every week or he's not in the conversation. Um, but I do think that, of course, if you've got an asset like that, it's costing you that in an area of the pitch where you need creativity, where you need personnel. You know you you shouldn't cut off your nose to spite your face. I mean, the problem is when Emery kind of rode back on Ozil and to an extent Ramsey, it cost him a lot of credibility. Do you think Arteta has enough sort of in the bank that if he does that, it won't lose him any authority?
0: Uh, that's a good question. That's not something I had really considered... The difference
1: um, is that Arteta's doing it from a position of success. So when mm. Emery did it, it was kind of a move of desperation, whereas Arteta's just won the FA Cup and the Community Shield. If he get, hands out an olive branch at this point, he's doing so from a position of power, which I think slightly changes the, the dynamic. Yeah,
0: and of course, look, I really feel like there's uh, there's a lot to this situation that we don't know. And I, you know, you can see people speculate about all kinds of reasons as to what's happened and why it's gone on. And, you know, you could read 20 different versions of why he hasn't been in the team. Um, You know, so it just feels to me like there's a lot gone on behind the scenes, you know, that we haven't been aware of. You know, maybe if Ozil was out of line or behaved poorly or whatever it was, maybe he has apologized. And maybe Arteta's a big enough guy to sort of say, well, fair enough then. Let's get on with it. We don't know. I mean, it's just as plausible as anything else. So I don't know. But look, all I can say is that if he is involved, I hope it's positive. I hope he contributes on the pitch. And I hope that the drama and the circus that has kind of surrounded him for the last couple of years isn't a distraction during this season because really that is the last thing we need.
1: That's Yes, a, Yeah. absolutely. So, from the Discord, Owen Planet Crusher asks, it is time, Hi, Andrew James, you're starting 11s for Saturday. Uh,
0: I think it will be... A back three? Yeah. I think it'll be holding Louise and Tierney. Yeah. I think that's why we haven't let Holding go on loan just yet. I think maybe it's too soon for Saliba and maybe it's too soon for for Gabriel, which seems a bit of a weird thing to say regarding a £30 million signing, that it's, you know, it's maybe a bit soon. But maybe he just needs to to settle in a bit. Who knows? I just feel like for an away game, Arteta will go with what he knows. Bellerin and Maitland-Niles, I think it will be... I think it will be Shaka. And Ceballos, probably.
1: Yeah.
0: And then I think it will be Yang. I think it will be. This is where I'm not quite sure how fit Lacazette is. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I think it will be. I think it will be Nketia. Actually.
0: I think it could be Nketia and it could be Saka from the right because I feel like Pepe is only just back as well. He's only back a week. Mm. So I just wonder if these guys are quite ready physically to start the season.
1: And you didn't do your keeper, I noticed.
0: Ooh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is the big one, I think. You know, that's a big decision.
0: Yeah. Um, where did we have the, a question on this as well? Uh yeah, it came from Twitter from Josh at Josh Robinson 87. He said, What will the lineup be against Fulham? I'll start it off for you. Goalkeeper Martinez. Um, so we've done everything. I've done everything but Martinez. I think. I think it will be Leno.
1: Do you? Mm. I mean.
0: Like, if it were, and I've said this before, if it were mid season and Leno was fit again, and we were playing the next game, it becomes very, very difficult to drop Emmy, But because it's a new season, and Leno is, mm. um, as we've discussed previously, seen as the number one choice, even if Martinez is giving them some headaches in that regard, probably headaches that they didn't expect. I just feel like... Yeah. I think I... For me, I think I I would stick with Martinez, but I think it will be Leno.
1: Yeah, I think I'm the same. I think I would stick with Martinez. There's an argument. I mean, I think if you pick Leno for Fulham on Monday morning, you you might have a transfer request on your hands, you know? If if Emmy's as good as his word, then he doesn't want to be number two. Mm. Um so there is a case of kind of like, well, you know, if if what you want is to keep Martinez for the remainder of the season, you know, l- let him feel like he's <laughs> number one. You know, play him against Fulham and, and see what happens. If well, he makes like just,
0: just keep, him, keep him in the team for the first four games of the season, transfer window closes, <laughs> then you bring Leno in, and then what do you have? Like an even more pissed off player because he can't leave. You yeah, know, I'm not yeah. sure that you can do that. I mean, I, I think maybe there's an argument that, you know you could put it up to to Emmy to say, "Look, you've been brilliant, but you know burned was our number one, and he's been excellent since he joined, et cetera, et cetera. You still have a bit to do, you know, but here's the challenge here's the fight here's the here's the competition for this season, you know, I can see how that you could have that conversation with him, maybe, but I just feel like I just feel like it'll be Leno.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Like, no one... It's not really part of the conversation. How would Leno feel about it not being him? Do you know what I mean? And Mm. what would that do? Uh, Yeah, that
0: is actually something that few people have talked about.
1: Yeah. Haven't they? I I don't know if it's because he's German and we're like, he's just a sort of very efficient robot man. But, like, he, you know, that wouldn't sit well, I don't think.
0: I mean, he would be able to recognise, of course, that he lost his place because of injury and the guy who's come in has played really well. In any other position on the pitch, if, you know, if Lacazette got injured and we bring in a striker and that striker scores, you know, a goal a game or whatever it might be, regardless of his seniority or his price tag or anything else, you're keeping the guy who's in form. Mm -hmm. Is goalkeeper different?
1: Well, it is different. I mean, when that striker comes back from injury... At the very least, he's getting 20 minutes off the bench. I don't think... Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> Leno or Martinez will be getting that. Um, especially now we've got it down to three subs, you know what I mean, with five.
0: Mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it, it,
1: it, it's a really, really big decision. And, yeah, someone's going to be knocking on Arteta's door on Monday morning, not happy. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm. I, I if you're asking me what I would choose... I actually would pick Martinez. Yeah. Based on the evidence I've seen, I would pick Martinez. Um, but I don't think that's how they view it. Mm, Maybe okay. I'll be proved wrong yeah. there, but we'll see.
0: We will see. Uh, okay, here is a question from Andrew, the Hinkley Gooner, who's on the Discord. He says, do you think, as I do, that the delay for Aubameyang's new contract is due to him waiting for the team to be strengthened further? I believe he wants further quality coming in, and I think that's what we've committed to him. So do you think that's what the delay in the announcement of the Aubameyang contract is? He's waiting to see what we do in the transfer market to, to uh, provide him with the assurance that he needs and wants as a football player that not only can his financial uh, situation be resolved to his happiness, his sporting ambitions can be realized at Arsenal.
1: I have to say, I haven't heard that. Um, You know, I I hadn't heard that. And if I look at the timeline of events and sort of the degree of confidence that Arteta and the club more generally have had surrounding Aubameyang and his extension, um, you know, that that goes way back to sort of really before the transfer window even was sort of open. Mm. Uh, And I think that he, he... I think he will have made this decision on his own terms and thinking primarily about himself. Now, of course, being in a strong team is part of that. But, you know, those conversations, I would imagine, you know, about intentions and plans must have taken place already. They must have been part of the negotiating process. Mm. Uh, clearly, there is a delay because I think everybody thought we'd be there by now. Um and the specifics of that I'm not sure on, but I, I don't know if I buy that it would be the transfer thing. I just think it's quite rare. It's something that is talked about a lot in football, you know, this idea that they want assurances, they're going to buy this player or mm. spend money. I think it's just so much more often about what they're getting paid. Yeah, uh, well, and I, yeah. yeah well,
0: well, I was talking to uh, Andrew Allen about this and, and the, mm. the, the story is that Aubameyang is going to get paid, you know, somewhere in the region of 300 grand a week like he's going to be up there with what Mesut Ozil earns. Mm. He's going to be uh, very I, well paid. I don't know that anybody could argue with that. You know, if that's the benchmark, um and Aubameyang is producing what he's producing, you know, how can you not pay him something commensurate with what the highest player, highest paid player at the club is being yeah, paid compared it's to a what
1: problem we've given ourselves. Yeah, for sure. compared
0: to what he's produced, right? Um part of that though is, you know, that's a rise of 100 grand, maybe a little bit more every week. Is Mm. potentially the delay in the signing of the contract a way of saving ourselves half a million pounds?
1: (laughs) Maybe, maybe. But then footballers and agents are so smart with these things, it wouldn't surprise me if they said... Backdated. Oh, you've got to backdate it to the start of this season. Yeah, I mean, that's quite common. So... You know, no one, footballers never lose money, basically. they you know, they're always very well looked after, well represented. <laughs> but I, I think, um, it's 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 an interesting one. I mean, you know, hashtag announce over has taken on taken over from announce Gabriel, hasn't it? At this mm. point,
0: well, I mean, this week, given the um, you know, given the week that's in it in the build up to the new season, if we're looking for a bit of a a boost, a bit of a feel good factor going into uh, the opening game of the season, it doesn't feel right now as if we're going to make any new signings before. Uh, before the start of the season, before Fulham, uh, certainly not players who could be available and in the team for Fulham. So if you're looking for something to sort of give your season that little bit of a boost right before it starts, the announcement of Aubameyang's contract this week would probably, and I'm not saying I have any inside information on this at all because I don't, it just, you know, it would feel like a good time to do it.
1: I agree. I agree. And it would uh, be nice, you know... F- it was really interesting, actually. Like, I, I watched the Community Shield on BT and they were really talking like Aubameyang might leave. And I was like, are you sort of following the way this is being written about, spoken about? Because, it, you know, it, it just felt a bit out of place. And I, mm. especially with Messi now staying at Barcelona, that was giving me a little, you know, a little sort of 2 or 3% of anxiety of what, if he goes... What
0: if Messi's... One of Messi's demands for staying at Barcelona <laughs> is that they bring in Aubameyang to replace his great mate, Luis Suarez, who got, like, mm. turfed out. Get me a proper striker to play with.
1: I mean, that's the thing. In a situation like Barcelona, Messi maybe does get sort of influence and sway and things like that. I just don't see Arteta saying to a player, oh, thank you for your feedback. I'll be implementing that immediately. I just, I don't buy that, really. I think it's about mm. them having a kind of shared... Mm vision of, you know, what they, their ambitions are and what the team sure. wants to do, rather than any specifics. Yeah. Um, so yeah, listen, hopefully we get some good news soon. I'm still expecting it to be good news, and uh, and like you, yeah. I think timing-wise, this would be a good time to do it. It'd be lovely to have that settled before the season starts.
0: Yeah, yeah. <coughs> Twitter admin, come on. <coughs>
1: um, what about this? We had a few sort of over-under predictions for the Premier League season to put you through. Is that, is that all right? Yeah, sure. So the first one is, this is from, is from KB on Twitter, who's at MFWB17. Right. They say, Aubameyang, uh, over or under 23.5 Premier League goals. What's the point five for? It's so that you could say under is 23. Right. Right. Um, if, if it's well, under, 20, under 23.
0: Under 23 is 22.
1: Yeah, but if I said if I said it's over or under 23 goals, what if you think it's 23?
0: But no, there it, are no half goals. Yeah, well that's my that's my point. If it's over or under 23, it's either 22 or 24.
1: But what if you think it will be 23? I don't Right, let's Okay, it go on, program. go on. No, no, no. Do you it, do it. You tell me it, how many goals, right, how um, many goals do you think Aubameyang will score in the Premier League? Oh,
0: Premier League. Oh, only for the Premier League. Okay, mm. I am going to go, I'm going to go under the 23.5.
1: So am I, so am I. That's, that's high, I think.
0: I think in all competitions, we're probably looking at 25 to 30 again, but...
1: Yeah, and I think he'll score 20 probably in the Premier League, but if he stays fit, but 24, Mm. that feels a bit high. Um, So, Nicola Pepe, 15.5 goals plus assists.
0: Oh, over, over. And while we're on this, let's have a question. i just slot in this question here. Like real pros, this. Uh, from John Redmond, who's at JR Shot Who, who says, what is a real ex- uh, realistic expectation for Pepe this season? He's had, sufficient, uh, had a sufficient stint under Arteta to know what to expect. What do you think his output in terms of numbers uh, will be?
1: Yeah, good question. So you think over. And bear in mind, this is the Premier League. Yeah, so like... 15.5, so what, like 10 goals, 5 assists?
0: Or 10 assists, 5 goals, you know, or 7 assists and 8 well, goals. There are many combinations 32. that you could put together to get to that figure, you know? Uh,
1: yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, well, what did he do last season? Let's have a look at that for reference. Uh, Was
0: he 8 scored? and 9, something like that? Not in the Premier League, but in all competitions, yeah. I know, but...
1: Five in the five goals in the Premier League, six assists in thirty-one appearances, and bear in mind they were not all starts; Mm. they were only twenty-two starts. So I think, I
0: think it's realistic to expect more from him next season. Do
1: you know what? I'm going to say over as well. Yeah, I I think so.
0: Okay, all right. Well, there you go. I think I don't don't have to convince
1: me. I I think I could easily see him. Yeah. I could see him doing that. Mm. Let's be a bit optimistic. He's definitely got the potential. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I think, you know, when you've paid what we've paid for him, you need to be able to sort of say it's going to be a return in that bracket. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's harsh expectations. Um, Or unfair, rather. Uh, Okay, we've talked about this one. Meza Ozil, 5.5 starts in the (sighs) Premier League. Oh, my goodness. Um... I'm going to say Under. I think he'll have appearances, but I don't know if he'll start that many games.
0: Yeah. It's so hard to know now because of what we
1: everything could change.
0: Yeah, so you know, so much could change or who we bring in.
1: Um Arteta played him every game when he first came in.
0: He did, so I'm gonna go over on that one.
1: Okay. Uh the team, twelve point five. Clean sheets, under or over? Under. Same. <laughs> I just
0: don't feel like the centre of our defence. Yeah, you know, this.
1: We don't know enough about the two players we've brought in, do you yeah. know what I mean, and how they'll set. But
0: well, I think what we know is that they're both still really young in the life of a centre-half, and that the guy that we have mentoring them or perhaps guiding them through games while a fantastic personality and character is somebody who looks to be in some decline, you know, in terms of his own performances in David Luiz. So, um,
1: well, on the subject of him, mm. uh, over or under 5.5 penalties conceded. <laughs> I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under because We've I think... We've got to have room to improve. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's yeah, got to exactly. be somewhere yeah. we make a strike. I reckon we uh, might have learned. And lastly, so this is the number of players in the team who will score more than five Premier League goals will it be over or under three point five? Over five Premier League goals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I think I think. It, well, it needs to be for sure.
0: It has to be because you know you've got Aubameyang, Lacazette, Lacazette. Lacazette.
1: Ketia, Pepe. Yeah, we should beat that. Shaka, sure. Willian, Shaka emmy martinez shaka <laughs> i think okay all right okay so it, it sounds like we think we're still gonna show willock show willock it sounds like we think we're gonna score more goals than last year mm. but still concede quite a few yeah i don't feel like
0: yeah i feel like if we make some improvement defensively that will be good that uh, will be good. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll wait and see uh, how those pan out. Um, okay. We have one. I did the Pepe one, didn't we? Uh, yeah.
1: Seamlessly. We're seamlessly. Absolutely seamlessly.
0: Um, abba Saleh, who's at abba underscore Saleh, says Do you think not playing any of the big six at home before Christmas is to our advantage or
1: disadvantage? I think it's. I think it's to our advantage, I'm going to say. Um, hang on, hang on. What was the question? Sorry, I, I, I realised I just misunderstood the question. Not, not
0: playing, playing the- any of the big six at home before Christmas.
1: Oh. Uh, no, I think that's to our disadvantage. <laughs>
0: but could it be to our advantage that given these games will be happening before Christmas, you're going to be playing in the sort of sterile. Uh, away environment in which fans aren't oh. really there could that be an advantage to the disadvantage
1: yeah I mean listen if you've got to go to Anfield go to an am- empty Anfield definitely mm. Um, that 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 is actually a fair point what I was thinking was more it feels like we've got some real uh, positive uh, momentum and direction and I kind of mm. feel like having those home games might enable that to continue a little bit longer um but the the point about fans is a good one so i think maybe yeah we have to look up on that so where do we go early doors we go to liverpool don't we Mm we go to um what's great news is on saturday the sort of ravenous violent atmosphere of fulham will be you know absent Thank goodness. No more no, no more riots in West London. Yeah, um, we go to Man City as well, don't we? We
0: also go to Manchester United. Um, October thirty first. So yeah, there are probably
1: so- some fans in stadiums, but not many.
0: Yeah, and then do we have another one? We do have. Yeah, we've got Chelsea on on Saint Stephen's Day, Boxing Day. Um, Thank you. That's okay. Um, respecting my culture. <laughs> Um. So, <laughs> so that's our first home game against one of the big six. Uh, yeah, look, I think um, I think it might be slightly advantageous. Tottenham, of course, on the fifth of December as well. So, yeah, we've got four. So who's the one? We it is miss? good.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. I don't. I mean, hopefully by the fifth of December. Mm. I know we all want to get fan, fans back in stadium, but I think if we could make it on the sixth of December. Do you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> that'd be fine. that'd be good. That would
0: be fine. Um, let me see. Let's have another
1: question. Go on. What forgot here? Uh, oh well, a few people: Roy Shachori and Noma Mabandla both asked about Emil Smith Rowe. Noma said, "Do we know what the plans are for Emil Smith Rowe?" Um, hasn't been in recent training picks. No noises of a loan or sale. And Roy said, "Do we think?" Emil Smith-Rowe will play a part this season Would be great back up on either wing I should definitely start cup games
0: I'd like to see him he had a very good loan spell didn't he at Huddersfield um, I'd like to see him stay and, um, and get in but then when you look at what we have uh, Aubameyang mm. Pepe Willian Martinelli Saka Nelson you know I think he's somebody who could play centrally as well, you know. But again, that depends on that depends on the formation. Um, I don't see him in a in a in a, a midfield two, um, but maybe perhaps ahead of a, a midfield two, he could play there for sure. But um, I think there are things that will come out in the wash in the next couple of weeks. You know, depending on what we can do in the transfer market, maybe the futures of some of our young players are are kind of up in the air. But I, you know, I think when we've got Europa League, when we've got EFL Cup, although we're playing Leicester, aren't we? So, you know, there might yep. only be six cup games before before Christmas. Well, seven, of course, with with the Leicester one. Um, you, you know, that's a that's a difficult enough game uh, for that competition, particularly when the next. Weekend or that weekend, we go to Liverpool. So the rotation is likely to be pretty high there. Um, So the amount of cup football someone like Smith Rowe might get with Arsenal may not be sufficient for his needs. You know, when he when we talk about him developing as a as a player, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was potentially somebody who was loaned. Mm. Again,
1: yeah, I, th- I think it, I think you're right. It is slightly up in the air. You know, the the noises uh, from the club were quite encouraging on him being part of the squad for next season. I think now things are a little bit less clear, and I think what happens in the transfer market in the next few weeks will determine that. Because I think he's about 20 now, Smith Rowe, so he's at an age where. He's going to want to play um, and he needs to, you know, think about his development. He can't afford to just sort of not really be involved. If he's going to play Europa League games and cup games, I think that's probably all right. I think that's probably enough. But we might be in a position where, you know, even with, with the level of depth we have, he's not necessarily guaranteed that. So
0: Yeah, I mean, that's it. What will be better for him, like four or five starts in the Europa League or going somewhere maybe in the Premier League? Or even, oh, I think even was, the think that's what he would do, yeah. or,
1: or abroad, you know. Um, yeah,
0: that's true, of course, yeah.
1: I, I don't think he'll go back to the Championship. I think it would be Premier League or, or abroad. But I, listen, mm. I, I would like to see a bit more of him. Um, because actually, as good as he was at Huddersfield, you forget, I mean, he, he was actually pretty good for Unai Emery, wasn't he? I mean, he played a lot of Europa League football for him, scored a few goals, made a really positive impression. Um, so he has shown that he can do it. At the first team level kind of a little bit already mm. and he's just one of those players who looks very very natural on the field and has a real knack of um i spoke to a couple of coaches about him and they said the, the most amazing thing about him is his movement off the ball mm. the ability to find space and they said unusually for a guy who plays as a number 10 or a number eight he he will run beyond a striker he loves it he'll get into the penalty box and that's something Arsenal. Did really, you really did you do. not
0: mention that very earlier on in this podcast as a as a quality from a player that we could very much do with?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, in reference to Van der Beek and and Smith Rowe, he has that movement, and I don't know. Uh, you know, I feel like when I think of the players who were really great at that, someone like Aaron Ramsey, for example, it was kind of always in his game. You know, it's sort of kind of inherent. They sometimes mm. just have a bit of a sixth sense for it. Yeah, and. um he appears to have that, so I, I would like to see more of him. I mean, Mesut Özil coming back into the fold maybe makes that a bit less likely. These are the sorts of things, the decisions that are kind of being decided at the moment that will will have impact the futures of, of lots of different people.
0: Yeah, that's true. Okay, well, look, we're nearly at the end of this one, and I think we we have to ask this particular question before we go because you know it's one of the uh, one of the big stories since last we spoke. It comes from Negi Guner eighty five on the Discord. He says. How funny was it to see what Alexis Sanchez said about uh, his first training session at Manchester United on a scale of Deeney missing a penalty against us to John Terry slipping against us? How funny was that?
1: Uh, It was very funny, I thought. But uh, can I be honest? I also found it a bit um, frustrating because I was like, well, then what? what?" Like, it, it sort of shows that he was mad to go in a funny kind of way, like it was the wrong decision. Um, I know Mm. that he'd gone a bit off the boil for us, but I think that's sometimes a bit overplayed because he left. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I found it funny, and the whole deal is funny, but our part in it isn't brilliant either. You know, it's not like Mkhitaryan worked out tremendously. So, uh, you know, my my joy in it is only partial.
0: Yeah, like I don't – I didn't look at it and think, like, ha, 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 Alexis Sanchez – That wasn't my thing. It was like, ha, 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 Man United. That's oh, where, yeah, for sure. that's where my, uh, where I found the funny in it. I didn't really feel it was that funny from Alexis. Like, I don't have any real ill will towards Alexis. I thought he was brilliant for us, you know, yeah. and then he wasn't. And then, you know, I don't think as a football club, we handled that situation as well as we should have or could have. You know, the idea of saying all summer long, we're not letting you go. You're going to stay. You're going to see out your contract. That's it. And then right at the end, we went, Oh, fuck. And then made a balls of it, and you know made him even more unhappy than he already was. So, you know, I think we, we've a big part to play in that. But uh, you know, anything that that reflects poorly on Manchester United um, is is uh, funny, of course. And the fact that they paid him half a million pounds a week for five goals is hilarious. Um, you know, a little bit of little bit of piano playing along the way as well. At the same time, though, we gave Mkhitaryan two hundred grand a week and just let him go for free. Um, you know, just to get rid of him, just to get him off the wage bill. We basically let him go for nothing. So we, um, from a, a financial perspective, don't have very much to laugh about at all. No,
1: so. no. But, you know, the, I mean, it says so much, doesn't it, that I think what Alexis Sanchez will mainly be remembered at Manchester United for is playing the piano. It was downhill from there for him.
0: mm Sure was. Sure was. He should have played like a Hammond organ, perhaps, or a church organ, something. Something, something like solid. that. Yeah, exactly. Set the tone for what's to come. Very true. Right. Well, look we'll leave it there for this one things will start to hot up during the week no doubt as we get closer and closer to the st- to the start of the new season lots to come on the site um, in podcast form and written form in terms of podcasts and written things I already said that but previews of the season we'll be looking ahead to what's going to happen uh, hopefully I'll be doing the, uh, the traditional podcast with Ken Early from Second Captains a bit later on in the week as well so that'll be available for you we'll be doing some discord stuff so join us for that um, thanks as- ever for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show and we will catch you on the next one.
1: Bye bye.
0: You don't want to sing out with Robbie Williams again, no?
1: I don't think I you should. <laughs>